we are continuing looking through the book of John and we are reading and in chapter 3 and we're going to talk today about a dispute concerning the baptism that happened with disciples of John, the Baptist and Jews. We're going to read from John chapter 3 verse 20. John chapter 3 and we're in verse 22. He says, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Aeon near Salem, because there were much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. That's our topic this morning. There arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And in verse 26, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who has with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourself bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him, rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must, he must increase, but I must, yes, I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. And he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him." I want to repeat the last verse. He says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Dear friend, for me, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. It is clear and direct for you and to me to read it right there. He says it clearly that he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not, does not believe the Son, shall not see life. He's obviously talking about life after this life. There's no confusion here. It is perfectly clear. And then he goes on, and these are the words which should strike fear in every person's heart who do not take this to heart. This one here, he says, but... The wrath of God abides on Him. The wrath of God abides on Him. If we think about Jesus when He went 
into the garden of Gethsemane, there was a cup of wrath. And he said, Father, I will take that cup. That's my translation of that. In the end he said, I will do it. He will take it on your and my behalf. I want to read this verse one more time because it needs to stack. In fact, you, you need to have this verse underlined in your Bible. You need to go even further. You need to memorize this verse. Let it not go away from your memory to always know this. Listen. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Do you want everlasting life? Believe in the Son. Oh, there's a process that takes place. We know that. It's, been, it's called being born again. We saw that last week, didn't we? When he spoke to Nicodemus and he said, you must be born again. You must be born from above. He said that to him. Here he says, he who believes in the Son has that life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. My heart aches and breaks for the people out there who do not have the Son. Who reject the Son, Jesus Christ. Because you know why? Because the wrath of God abides on them. And every single day while you and I sit in the church in a good and a pleasant time and we know about Him, there are thousands today who die without the Son of God. And dear friend, the Bible says it very clearly. You can't confuse this. The wrath of God is upon them. And now while the time is good, we need to make it out. Let me say it clearly here, before we get into the message, dear friend, let me say it clearly, now is the time. You cannot accept the Son after you've died. Once you die, it is set. And if you haven't believed the Son in this life, in the life after, judgment will happen. So it doesn't matter what the newspapers say about a person, how good he is. If he didn't declare the Son of God and believe in the Son of God, his eternal place where he's going to be is the lake of fire. That is how serious that verse is. There's two things that I want to unpack for you out of this passage. And to be quite honest to you, I don't think we're going to get to both. So I'm just going to stick to the first one, but I'll mention the second one, and we will have a part two of this message. The first one is baptism. Look at verse 22. He says, After these things, Jesus and His disciples came into the land of Judea, and there He remained with them and baptized. You see that? And now John was also baptizing in Aeon near Salim, because there were much water there. At this point in time, the writers didn't choose to say that they went into the area and preached. Although they did that. But he emphasizes here the fact that they were baptizing. The second thing that I would want to unpack for you out of this passage is the word jealousy. Oh, that's the word that everybody in this room knows. Because in a fallen nature, from time to time, this thing sticks out his head. Jealousy. And we find it in this passage. He says in verse 26, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, this is his disciples, He who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, take notice, 
He is baptizing and all are coming to Him. In other words, why don't they come to us? Why do they do that? And like I say, that there I will have to unpack for you next week because I want to talk about the first one this morning. In John chapter, 22, uh, chapter 3 verse 22, and, and I'm going to read it again because I want to give commentary as we go through and unpack it for you. He says, after these things, and obviously that was after they came away from Jerusalem, after John spoke to Nicodemus, uh, not John, Jesus, he spoke to Nicodemus, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea and there he remained and they baptized. Now, it is important to notice that Jesus Christ himself didn't baptize anyone. If you look down in chapter 4, verse 1, uh, just, just glance down in your word, in your Bible there, you'll see, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples did, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So here we find the passage where Jesus goes out into the land of Judea and his disciples baptize people. Now John was also baptizing in Aeonia Salem. And why did he baptize there? I want you to take notice here because there were much water there. I believe that baptism in the New Testament when he talks about that is by immersion. You are baptized into a lot of water. There is no, in fact, no scripture verse in the New Testament which talks about, you know, the sprinkling or just a few drops. And also, if I can just throw it in here, there is no mention in the New Testament about baby baptism. Oh, you've got to bend the scriptures to make it work for you, but every single time I read about this, it talks about much water. There were much water there, and they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Now then there arose a dispute there. But before we get to the dispute, I want to continue on about this baptism in much water. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I want you to go there because we're going to do some Bible work. I said I'm going to unpack it for you and we need to follow the Bible. You didn't come here this morning to hear my opinions about it. It's what it is written. It is written. In Acts chapter 8 verse 36, we find Philip was talking to an Enoch from Ethiopia. And look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. He preached Jesus to him. You remember our verse 36? If you believe in the Son, you have everlasting life. Here Philip preached to him Jesus. Everything concerning Jesus. By now Jesus has already died on the cross and He's already resurrected from the grave and already He's ascended up into heaven. And He explained every single thing from the Old Testament right into the New Testament about Jesus to this man on that chariot. Now as they went down the road, look at this now, they came to some water, some water. And the Enoch said, see here is water, what hinders me from being baptized? What stopped me from being baptized? 
Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the Enoch went down into the water. It's a little bit hard to do that in drops of water, isn't it? So they saw the much water. He got saved. And listen, this is the, the frequency. You get saved before you get baptized. Not the other way around. And, and now that he sees the water, they go into the water and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, and it's hard to do that out of a drop of water, isn't it? They came out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the Enoch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now again, he says that there were much water there when they were baptized. They were looking for places of much water. And here we find the same thing that happened to Philip. Fascinating passage. It's interesting to, to see that these people were doing it. Baptism was an important part even to the New Testament people. Now, it continues now on. Look at our verse now. He says in verse 25, Then there arose a dispute. What is a dispute? People were talking with one another and disputing what was going on here between some of John's disciples and the Jews. Now, this is really interesting because he didn't say they were Pharisees. These were Jews about the purification now, purification leads to the baptism because in, in the Jewish sense of mind, you had to be purified to become a Jew, to take on Judaism. So they knew about that, but this was talking about the baptism, and I'll show that to you. Because he says, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he was beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he's baptizing. You see, it's all about baptism, baptism. So this purification dispute was around the baptism. They say Jesus is baptizing over there, in fact... Next week we're going to see this. They don't even name him in his name. That's what jealousy does. And here it's the same. They say, that man, that man, that, that one whom was beyond the Jordan with you, whom you testified about, they were baptizing on the other side. And we are baptizing. And this dispute happens between these. It's interesting to note that the Bible talks about a lot of baptisms, isn't it? He talks about the baptism of fire. You remember in Mark chapter 3 verse 11, when Jesus came around, John the Baptist said, He will baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It is also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we find the baptism of the cross. Did you know that? The baptism of the cross in Mark chapter 10, James and John came to Jesus and they said to him, Jesus, we want to ask you something. He says, what do you want to ask? He said, when you're sitting up in glory, we want to sit at your right and your left hand side. And Jesus starts to explain to them the baptism of the cross. That's also a baptism. But then there's the baptism of water. There's a baptism of water. And the Bible talks about four baptisms of water. First of all, we find the baptism of Moses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1. 
He says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses. See that? Don't be unaware of this. That our fathers were under that cloud, and when they passed through the sea, which is water, much water, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, if you ask an Israelite right after that has happened, if you come across them, they just passed through the sea, they just saw the cloud and everything, if you stop one of those Israelites and you ask them what the baptism means to them, they will point you towards Moses. They were following Moses. They were associated and identified with Moses. You see, when they stood before that sea and they looked back and they saw these armies, the Egyptian and the, and the dust clouds coming out of the mighty army, they were dead because they were going to be killed there. But then the waters opened up and they went through with Moses as they went through. And we know what happened with the armies when they came in and they drowned in that. So they were dead and now they can say they're alive. You see, they were delivered out of slavery in Egypt and they were baptized into Moses. And how? How does this happen? It happened in the cloud and in the sea. The cloud, the pillar that they followed by day and the fire by night. And they got a new life. One out of bondage, Egypt, into, into what? Into freedom and into law-keeping. That's the freedom they got. They were slaves in Egypt and now they've got freedom. I'm free. I'm not a slave anymore. But there was a law that they had to keep. But then it goes on to say that they were baptized into Moses, but not as in a man, because Moses here was a type of Christ when this happened. Why? He continues to talk. He says they drank and they ate of that spiritual food. The rock that followed them, that rock was Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. Two things here just quickly. He says that they ate the spiritual food. In the King James Version it says meat. Did you know that the angels ministered that to them? It is really fascinating if you start reading your Bible. Open up in Psalm chapter 78. You always wondered, you know, how did this happen that the manna and, uh, uh, came to the earth? Did it rain like rain or how did that happen? Well, the Bible is so clear in every single thing. It tells us all how it happens. In Psalm 78... Verse 25. It was talking there about, about what happened to them. Look at verse, uh, we're going to read from verse 22. This is Psalm 78, verse 22. Because they did not believe in God and did not trust in His salvation. Let's continue verse 23. Yet He had commanded the clouds above to open the doors of heaven and had rained down manna on them to eat. There we go, it rained down. And given them the bread of heaven. Man ate angels' food. Man ate angels' food. He sent them food to the full. So the angels came 
and they produced, they were ministering spirits. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by the power of his broad, he, he brought the south wind. He also rained meat on them like the dust, feathered fell like the sand of the sea. So God provided through the wilderness, but the angels played a part in that. So when he talks here about the spiritual food, he talks about, yes, it was the manna, but it was also pointing towards Christ. Christ is the manna from heaven. He says it in the New Testament, I am the bread of heaven. And then they drank the same spiritual drink. That pointed towards, you remember when Moses hit the rock and water gushed out of that. That is again a type of the blood of Christ. The spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock. So Moses here is the type. It's the baptism. It's called the baptism of Moses. But he's only a shadow of the substance. He's only pointing towards Christ. Because through Christ we get new life. As the Israelites in the Old Testament right there before the sea got new life through Moses into, into, uh, out of bondage into freedom, here we find Christ now gives us new life out of bondage of sin. Into what? Into freedom, but better than Moses, into freedom and grace. Not freedom and law anymore. We're not bound under the law. He came to fulfill the law. So the first baptism we talk about is in 1 Corinthians 10, the baptism of Moses. Then we find the baptism of John. The baptism of John. He says in Mark chapter 1 verse 4, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism, listen to this, of repentance for the remission of sins. The repentance of the remission of sins. You see, these people, when they came to John the Baptist, they showed their faith in his message and felt that they had to repent. Why? Because he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what he preached to them in Matthew uh, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, Jesus was still alive at this point when he preached that. Jesus was walking there. He baptized Jesus. Go with me now to Acts chapter 18 in your Bible. Acts chapter 18. We will find here a man, a very interesting man, Apollos. Acts chapter 18 verse 24. When he was baptizing people, this is John the Baptist, Jesus was still alive. But he was preaching about in, uh, uh, this kingdom of heaven. He says in Acts chapter 18 verse 24, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, a man, and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. See that? This is the baptism that he knew. The baptism where he was baptizing because of the repentance of the remission of sin. So, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. What did they explain to him? 
they explained to him the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they did. Because at this point, when John the Baptist was baptizing, Jesus didn't die, he wasn't resurrected. And the people who came to this baptism, they wanted the Messiah to come. They wanted to be in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom where the Messiah was going to rule them. And they wanted to be purified, washed. So they said, yes, we repent of our sins because we want to get into the kingdom of heaven. But Christ hasn't died yet. And He wasn't resurrected yet. Turn just a page to chapter 19. We find another fascinating thing about the baptism of John here in Acts chapter 19. Look at verse 1. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that's the same Apollos we read now, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? There's, there's a critical thing we need to understand here now. And that is when you are get saved, you get the Spirit. This is after the cross. But listen to this now. So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? He said to them, Into what then were you baptized? Come on, how will you baptize them? Into what? So they said, into John's baptism. You see that? That's the baptism we see right here in Mark chapter 1 verse 4. The baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. That's what they were saying. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to understand one thing. Look in your Bible. Did he say Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus? He puts Christ before Jesus. That talks about Jesus after the cross. So now, Jesus is already dead. He was buried. He was resurrected. And he ascended into heaven when he met these people. He didn't say on Jesus Christ. So, in other words, the baptism of John the Baptist wasn't effective anymore now. There's another baptism here which is more important. He says, when they heard this, they were baptized. So, some people ask me sometimes, do you re-baptize people? I go, yes, I do. I do. I've baptized people who's already been baptized. Because when I sit down with them and I ask them about their baptism... I understand that these people hasn't got a clue what baptism is about. Some people, even, especially when they are young, are influenced by all of their friends. You know, one person is really touched by the Spirit of God. They understand baptism and then they want to be baptized. And then it becomes a popular thing. And all the young people jump into the, Oh, is she going to be baptized? Yeah, I'm going to be baptized as well. And look, it's not only young people. It happens everywhere. You get somebody in who preaches a very strong message about baptism. One person jumps up and it becomes a, a thing that everybody... No, no, you need to understand what it's all about. You know what it is, what you're in for. You see, these people were baptized by John. But for the remission of sin. John's baptism... And now he explains to them the cross. He explains to them Jesus Christ and they baptized again. 
Now see what happens now. In verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Oh, I've had a man in verse 5, he says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I've had, had a man once, I was baptizing somebody and he came to me and he said, I don't want you to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said, no, 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 we just baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus and he quoted that verse. I don't agree with him. Because we see in Matthew, and we're going to see that verse later on, Matthew 28, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No, no, only what Paul was doing here, he was talking about Jesus here. There's a different baptism here. You see, we shouldn't get caught up with these things. We shouldn't start to dispute about these kind of things. We need to listen to what Jesus says. So can you see here, there's John's baptism. We had the baptism of Moses and that pointed towards Christ and now we see the baptism of John. There's a third baptism and that's the baptism of Jesus. When he was baptized, and I want to unpack that quickly for you. He says in Matthew chapter 3 verse 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Now, if you see that, you go, Jesus, wait a minute. Why do you want to be baptized by John? It doesn't make sense. And you're not the only one thinking that because John thought the same thing. And John tried to prevent him. He says, no, no. No, saying, I, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. What is Jesus saying? It's fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Was there any sin in Jesus? No. Pilate washed his hands. He said, I could find no fault in him. I mean, I can start going off now explaining to you how many places that there was no sin found in Jesus. Yet he comes now to a man who baptizes for the remission of sin. Jesus comes to him and he says to him exactly these words. He says, permit it for now, thus it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him, and when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, aligning upon him. Just imagine for yourself, standing there and looking up into heaven and see how the heavens open up. The heavens were opened up to him. Look, friend, there's a day coming for you and for me while we are still alive. If not, he will not pass us by. But that this heaven is going to be opened up again. And he's coming back again. And now, he says, and, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Have you heard a voice like that? Oh, people go on about, I want to hear an audible voice of God. Well, you've got it here, it's written. But let's concentrate here. He says, Jesus came to him and he says, Pervert it now, for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. In fact, Jesus is identifying here with sinful man. He didn't have sin in him. He was perfect. Yet he'd been baptized by John. 
He was identifying with us. How privileged are you and me to sit here today and just to think about this. That our Lord came down and He identified with us. He even went through that baptism that John the Baptist did for sinful man. He didn't have to be baptized to get into the kingdom of heaven. He didn't have to. But He identified. There was no sin and in Him. But not only that, with this He approved John's ministry. Because He came down and was baptized by Him. So, We've got three baptisms now. We've got the baptism of Moses. We've got the baptism of John. And Jesus came to be baptized, the baptism of Jesus. Now, this is the third one and the most important one for me today. And that is the baptism of the believer. The baptism of the believer. Matthew 8, 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority, that word authority is power, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That making disciples is preaching the gospel, the good news. I come back to our verse this morning in verse 36. Believing in Him has eternal life, but those who do not believe in Him do not have life. But the wrath of God is on them. Here he gives us an instruction. He says, go and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all the nations. Now he says that word, baptize them. What baptism is he talking about? Is he talking about John's baptism, Moses' baptism or the baptism? He he says, baptize them them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You see, when we are saved, we are buried with Christ. This baptism here talks about a burial. We are buried with Christ. We rise to the newness of life. Our sins are washed away. And we are cleansed. Now, let me explain to you just this. That when we had the previous passage, when he said, not by one, and I said that passage there, uh, by water and spirit, that, that didn't reflect to the baptism. It doesn't take away the baptism. But you see, when you are saved, and, you get, and, and the Lord saved you, and you are born again, at that point in time, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you. And He saves and washes away your sin. But then you've got this old man the Bible talks about. And you say, where do you find that? Go with me now to the book of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. In fact, let's first go to Acts chapter 2 verse 40. We talk about the baptism of the believer. You can keep your place there in Romans chapter 6. In Acts chapter 2 verse 40, Peter was preaching to the crowd and with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Again he preached the gospel. He pointed them towards Christ. Then, then, those who gladly received the word were baptized. You see, first he saves you, then you were baptized. First, He saves your soul. You see, dear friend, there are many people today who are sitting in churches, they are saved, but they haven't taken the next step. They haven't come to the baptism part. And that's a step of obedience. 
That's what it is. I'm not saying that you're not going to go to heaven, but if you're going to go to heaven and you were not baptized, you're going to stand in front of Jesus and that scripture verse is going to come up and he's going to say that they make disciples and baptize them as a step of obedience. He says, he preached to them, be saved from this generation. Then those who were glad to receive the word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Baptism is a funeral, the believer's baptism. It's an outward sign of what happened on the inward. You get saved, and remember when we're standing at the table this morning, there's two things. He says, take communion in remembrance of me. And it's easy to come in church and you say, I'm saved, the Lord saved me, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and I'm taking part of this. But the second one, have you taken part of that? And that's the baptism. Have you taken part of the funeral? And this is now in Romans chapter 6 verse 1 where Paul gives us this description of the baptism of the believer. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Can you believe a lot of people in the churches still do that? Oh man, we're going to church on Sunday and the Lord will forgive me. So on Monday I can just go right back into doing what I'm, those naughty things I do. I can go right back into them. Paul says, shall we continue now with that? Because the more our sin is, the more grace will be. That's not what he's preaching. He says, no, certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live in it any longer? How shall we? You come to the cross, you repent of your sin, the Spirit of Lord comes and He does a perfect work in you, you say, Lord, I don't want to be a sinner anymore. And He saves you and He washes it away. He says, how shall we now, who are dead to sin, live in it any longer? How do you want to live in that? Or do you not know that many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus? You remember baptism into Moses? He was a forerunner of this baptism. You see, it's out of sin into freedom and grace. In Moses' day, it was out of bondage in Egypt, of slavery into freedom and law. This is much better. He says we are baptized into, into Christ Jesus. We are dead to sin. And we were baptized into His death. Friend, the baptism of the believer is a, is a funeral. It's a burial, but it's also new life. See how it happens. I mean, this is clear. Therefore, what for? We were buried with Him through baptism into death. Where did He die? On the cross. Where is it showing our death? At the baptism. He brings these two together. Through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the death by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in the newness of life. So it's a baptism and it's a resurrection. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, you see therein lies the problem, our old man was crucified with him. Where? On the cross. 
So if somebody dies, I mean, we are preaching from a funeral home, don't we? What happens if somebody dies? While that body is not put into a coffin and goes down into the earth, it is an unresolved matter for the family, isn't it? We, we read and we saw just in this week now how those bodies of those men who died came back. It was an unresolved matter for these families. And when these bodies came back, now they've got peace, it's at rest. I see so many times and there's so many cases on the TV now of, of people disappearing and the parents don't know what's going on. Are they dead? What's happening to them? And you know what they always say? If we can only get their bodies back so that we can have finality over this. That is what a burial is all about. It's about finality. But you see, this is the thing. People want to continue on with the old man. They say, no, 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 I can't do the final thing. I still want to continue one foot in the world, one foot with Christ. And listen, it doesn't happen that way. The Bible is not written for people who are sitting on the fence. There was the story of a man who lived in, in, in the times of America when the North was fighting the South. You remember that war? And the, the big civil war. And there was a man who lived right on the boundary there. And uh, he heard from the people that these two armies was approaching and his farm was going to be right in the middle. But he couldn't make up his mind. He couldn't, he couldn't decide whether he was going to go with the north or with the south, with the blue coats or the grey coats. So he got himself quickly too. He got a blue coat and a grey coat. And he thought, look, the first army that gets here, you know, I'll quickly put on theirs and I'll be on their side. And that will determine it. But the two armies was coming at the same speed and he didn't know what to do because he was sitting on the fence and he thought, look, I've got a brilliant plan. I'll put on the grey at the bottom and I'll put on a blue jacket. And he was just standing there and right at the time these two armies came to him and they looked at this man from a distance from both sides. And they said, we can't understand this. So the general from the north, the blue said, he said, just shoot at the legs. And the guy from the other side said, shoot at the top. You see, this is what happened. We cannot sit on the fence. There's got to be a day of finality. I know you are saved. I know you came to Christ. I know you repented of your sin. But listen to me. Baptism is also important. It is a burial. It is putting that old man away. And it's a public show of what God has done on the inside. There's no secret agents in God's kingdom. It's knowing this, that your old man was crucified with him. That body of sin might be done away with. That body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ is having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. He's got no more dominion over him. Now listen to the words of this Enoch. He says, as he came down the road, he gave his heart, he was saved. He says, there is water, what hinders me? What hinders me to be baptized? So two baptisms, to go back to the dispute. Here was the disciples of John, they were baptizing. And the disciples of Jesus... And the Jews came and they disputed. 
And I can understand their dispute. They can say to John's disciples, we can't understand this. Why are you guys still continuing baptizing if Jesus is over there and he also baptized his disciples the same baptism, John's baptism. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is now the believer's baptism. So what baptism are we following? The last one. Because Christ has died, He's risen from the grave, and He ascended to heaven. That's the difference between the baptism of John and the baptism we have today. We don't baptize anymore with the baptism of John. If I baptize people, I don't say for the remission of your sin, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No, no. If I baptize people... I see it as a burial of the old man. And similarly, like Christ has been resurrected from the dead, you are resurrected from that. It's a show of what's happened. So he says, there is much water, what hinders me? My question to you, if you're not baptized, is what hinders you? What hinders you? You say, but I don't see any water around here. Well, there's lots of water around us. Five kilometers this way, ten kilometers that way. And look, just to let you know, I'm not trying to pull you to the water. All my life when I've preached, I'll give that work over to the Holy Spirit. And you know how many people has come to me without me pushing this. You say, how did you come to the baptism this morning? Well, it's right there. We had to talk about the baptism. Because we're going through the Bible verse by verse. And you might sit there and say, I'm offended because all of those things happened to me. Don't be offended to the messenger. Be offended to God. Be offended to Him. Go to Him and say, why did you write that into the Bible? You know, why did you put baptism in the Bible? Why was there a dispute about baptism? I'll tell you why, so that I can stand up here this morning and preach about baptism. So let that, and through the Holy Spirit, continue with you. Next week we're going to see this dispute and see what was flaming this on. And then we're going to have a fine way of John unpacking this and showing us how to get out of jealousy and envy. Did you know there's a difference between jealousy and envy? We'll unpack that next week. So this morning, what hinders you?